Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Missing the Point with Miles David. I am your host. Thank you for tuning back in. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And I'm happy that you're here. If you are returning, then I am even more happy that you're here because you are coming back to listen to me talk. (laughs) Okay, before I even start trying to build out another episode or the framework of another episode, I got to address some elephants in the room. Maybe they're not in your room, but they're in my room. Okay, and I don't like elephants in my room. I'm already big as it is. Elephants can't take up my space. (laughs) So if you have, you know, the podcast ain't been going that long. It's not like I am two, three, four years in. So if you've been listening to me this point, then you are getting a feel for who I am as a person and who I am as a person is very um, transparent and somewhat emotional. Some might say sensitive. I am a big bucket of all of that. I am a big gentle giant. So, yeah, take that with what you will. And in, and in saying that, the last episode I posted, entitled <laughs> Life Sucks But Watch the Australian Open, it, it wasn't my finest piece of work. And I had reached a point of just complete frustration. Not like just regular frustration. Like, oh, okay, I'll get over it after I sleep it. I just, you guys got the raw me of just being over it and feeling like things were just piling up against me and... That's what came out on the mic that day when I couldn't get my content out to you guys because me and Garage Band were fighting. And usually I win my fights. Ask the people. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, no violence. <laughs> usually I do win my battles when it comes to technology, but sometimes technology is a mean mug. And that particular day, technology won. And I did not have the audio correct enough to actually go and put it on a podcast that I would eventually be proud of. So that's the frustration you got coupled with like some personal stuff that's been on my shoulders and in my heart the past couple of months. So let's just address that. Right. Okay. So I moved home from living in Atlanta in July of 2020 amidst a really funky time for most of the globe and a really funky time for me. And a lot of my reasoning for moving home was due to the fact that my grandmother had been experiencing dementia and I thought that I would be able to be a helping hand while moving home and kind of helping out with that process. Because anybody that knows dealing with a loved one that has dementia, it is a process. It is it is not something that is necessarily easy at all. And it just takes a village, so to speak. I know that's like a really old, you know, cliche kind of adage, but it's true. And I just wanted to be a part of that process because my grandmother has been so influential to me in the processes of my life and nurturing me, you know, so. Things didn't look great like <laughs> like a couple of months ago or excuse me, like a, in, back in July and, you know, throughout the summer and the fall and throughout the winter, things did not look great for my grandmother. She was very weak. She wasn't eating and everybody was just super concerned about her well-being and, you know, how long she was actually going to be here. Um, so yeah, that was just weighing on me and having to operate in that space and, and find reasons to smile when my grandmother is that is so close to me and her feeling like she doesn't want to be here anymore or her body kind of, you know, deteriorating. That was hard on me and I just kind of had to go through that. But 
<laughs> I am happy to report that my grandmother is doing much, much, much better. She is responding to things much better. She is eating better. She is stronger. She is willing to put in the physical uh, rehab that is required of her to just be um, the best that she can with the body that she has right now. And I am just happy to see that. Like, I don't know if I would say she's done a full 180. Y'all need to, y'all need to really <laughs> not be being shady and miss talking to my grandma, but y'all need to really understand how to use the term made a complete 360 and made a complete 180. Cause y'all don't be using that right. I, I see y'all on social media talking about, well, you made a, I made a 360. You know what 360 means? You came right back to the same point, right? <laughs> you didn't really do that much if you're right back where you started. So I'm happy to report that my grandmother has not done that. And she is, she's done close to a 180 and she's improving and getting stronger and, I just feel it. You know, you know how you can just feel when somebody's down and you can also feel when somebody's up. That's I feel like she's up right now. And I'm just savoring that for as much as I can for as long as I'm still home amidst this pandemic and helping out. So I'm happy to report in that regards that things are looking brighter and better. And I am feeling brighter and better. I just had to like after listening to the episode back, I just needed to drown myself in some Frankie Beverly and Mays, put a couple put a couple of J's in the air, drink some wine, watch some tennis and not feel the need to like report on every move and just spend time with my mom and just like, you know, for whatever reason, it just got to that point where I feel like I had to do a hard reset in this past month has been a hard reset. Cause I don't think an episode has been up of missing the point since like beginning of February. And we are easily in the middle of March when this will go up. So yeah, I just was trying to, you know, get my life together and hopefully people out there can understand and relate. I wasn't running away from the podcast. Well, I kind of sort of was. <laughs> I just needed a break and the mic, the literal mic, every time I would try to hop back on it, I would just feel like anxious. And now I'm glad to say and report that I'm in front of my mic again and it doesn't feel that way. I'm glad to be looking into these little <laughs> audio marks or whatever you call them that indicate that I am live and the mic is picking up my voice. That feels joyous to me again to know that you guys are going to be able to hear me and connect and reach out and vice versa, you know, so I'm in a better space. Um. What 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 else did I say in that podcast? Because <laughs> this is real raw as well. I'm not putting too much into this. I'll get back to more structured episodes maybe next week. Um, but yeah, I mentioned my dad. So this is so tough to talk about, especially because I don't know who is actually going to put their ears on it or listen to it. But it, it, it's my story and it is what it is. Me and my father have had a very tumultuous relationship to, for lack of a better word, over the past 15 years. I come from a divorce household, which isn't, you know, that's not necessarily uncommon. A lot of people can relate to that. It's just the dynamics of how that happened and where it left our relationship has just been affecting me for a long time. And thank God <laughs> that I have the resources and the availability and the connections to and the, and just the wherewithal to know that I needed therapy. Um, but I actually enrolled enrolled is enrolled the right word. We're going to go with enrolled. I enrolled in therapy at the very top of this year in January, but it's funny how God works. Cause I got into therapy to kind of rectify some career and professional anxiety I had been feeling. And 
literally like the Saturday. I, I started, I, I remember this. I started therapy on a Thursday. The Saturday after that, my dad had a really traumatic accident. He fell and he essentially fractured some cervical vertebrae in his back. He, my dad has, my dad has had a history of like some health issues from like health, um, from car accidents and stuff like that in the past. So this was like a culmination of that. And like, uh, just a big detriment to all of the things that he, he was already experiencing. So now, unfortunately, he has lost a lot of his motor skills and cannot do for himself and is essentially paralyzed from the chest down. He does have movement in his arms a tad, but it's nowhere near what he was or his, his, his physical capability is nowhere near where it was. And, dealing with that reality has just been a lot because that has brought up so many emotions about our relationship that I kind of put boundaries in and just kind of pocketed it to the side and just worked around it. And this situation, this, I was going to say situation ship, <laughs> this situation has forced me to really like combat that head on. And it's been uncomfortable, but it's been a, a need to kind of grow through that the past couple of weeks and months and stuff. So that's just where I am. I'm just being transparent with that. And, um, you know, I appreciate prayers for my father, although we are not in the best of terms or on the greatest speaking terms, I still love him. And, um, I think it's just best for us right now to have distance. And that's a lot of where, that frustration you heard in my voice in the prior podcast was coming from because I felt two ways, you know, like I felt like, Oh my God, this is my dad. And I want to be a good son amidst this traumatic event that he's going through. But I also had to realize, and I've been realizing this through therapy that there is no such thing as like a perfect response or a perfect son in a traumatic experience. You do what feels innate to you and what I've been doing feels right for me and feels right for the relationship that me and my father have had prior to the situation. So, you know, if anybody on the outside looking in is just like, well, how come you're not there for your father? I was <laughs> and am in my own way and in the way that feels healthy enough for me to exist in the world and not feel awful all the time or get to a point of like extreme frustration like I did in that podcast. So yeah, that's where I am. And I'm, I feel so much better. Like I was saying earlier, I just had to sit and listen to Frankie Beverly for a couple of weeks and just reset. Um, but one thing, <laughs> one thing that I have had the opportunity to do in the midst of me resetting is join clubhouse. And if you follow the podcast, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook and stuff, you have seen me mention clubhouse a lot over the past couple of weeks because I've been very active on it. And essentially it has given me the, 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 the lane, I should say it's given me the lane to still talk and connect to people, which is something I really love doing just without the pressure of getting in front of a mic and producing editing and cutting and publishing it into a podcast. Like I have been doing the past couple of months and that has been really, really helpful. Um, 
shout out to everybody that I've connected with via Clubhouse that are now, you know, supporters or listeners or friends to the show, what have you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you listening and kind of, you know, pushing me forward to get my stuff together and get back in the saddle and do this stuff that I really enjoy doing. Um, so, yeah, Clubhouse has been cool. I have started my own room or my own club, so to speak, on the Clubhouse app. And if you are interested in the Clubhouse app, I can definitely tell you a bit more about it. They are not paying me to say that. I am just actually a member, not a member. I'm actually a user of the app and I just enjoy it. But you do have to be invited to the app and you also have to have an iPhone. So those are kind of like two weird things because the app is still what they call in beta version. Um, and essentially the app is just a space for audio only conversations um, where you can listen or actually be a speaking member in the conversation. And you can talk to people from all across the globe about pretty much anything that you want. Um, and of course, with me being a tennis fanatic and tennis nerd, I am, I've started a club and space called hashtag tuned into tennis, where we are literally being tuned into tennis, where I am giving commentary on the tennis matches that are happening live on my television screen and talking about different things that come up based off of those matches and the players playing those matches. And I did that for basically every single day of the Australian Open. And I'm really proud of myself for doing that because I have started connections with people. I've gotten the word out about the podcast. People have gotten acclimated with my voice and it's just been a cool ride. I've, you know, I've, I've just connected with people and that's something that just feels good and felt good in the time that I needed it in the space that I was at. So I'm proud of myself that I didn't completely go into like my little shell of myself, which is something I felt like I was getting dangerously close to. Um, Clubhouse just allowed me to have my own time and still connect with people, which is in a way very healing to me. Sometimes strangers are annoying. <laughs> Sometimes you don't hit it off with people the very first get or whatever. You know, people can be people, but the people that I have um, found myself spending the most time talking to on clubhouse on um, whether they know it or not it's been helpful in the past month to just get me back on track so again uh, they're not paying me to say this i just have the clubhouse app if you want to join the clubhouse community and specifically my club of tuned into tennis just hit me up um you can find you know at this point i'm not gonna say you guys know where to find the podcast if you are new um to listening you can definitely find the podcast at missing point pod on instagram twitter facebook and that is actually my handle on clubhouse missing point pod so yeah hit me up we can connect talk talk about tennis and then you know i don't always talk about tennis there are people <laughs> that i've connected on clubhouse with that literally are not tennis fans and we connect on other levels like lgbtq uh you know stuff and just being black and queer in this life and it's just been an interesting experience for sure. And I, I'm appreciative of, of those connections. So yeah, that's enough about clubhouse and me. And I think I've walked y'all to what I've been doing over the past month to get to this moment. So let's talk about what I was originally supposed to talk about in the, that podcast, life sucks to watch the Australian open, the Australian open. So I'm gonna take a break and we'll talk back and we'll wrap up what happened at the Australian open. I'll talk to you guys about what tennis has been looking like over the past month, where we are, where tournaments have been completed, where tournaments are about to start, and just 
all of that stuff. And then after that, I think we'll talk about the Grammys because I'm recording this on Monday, March 15th. And the Grammys were last night. And we'll talk about that. Just stay tuned. (laughs) Another one for the highlight reel. All right, y'all, let's get tuned into tennis, shall we? The Australian Open wrapped up last month in February, which, again, I've chronicled why it's awkward that it's in February and not January and all that, all that, all that. (laughs) But we have new winners in the Grand Slam winners circle and in the history books. Um, Naomi Osaka took home her fourth Grand Slam title, fourth major you know, we use the we use the phrase major and grand slam interchangeably. Just the more you know. Um, <laughs> so yeah, she won in women's singles. Shout out to Naomi Osaka. She is completely coming into her own in regards to holding the mantle in women's tennis and being a huge ambassador. She's already, if not one of, she might be the highest paid female athlete. In the world right now and that is a good look tennis has been pushing the needle forward in representation in um women athletics and i'm glad that she is a part of that conversation she deserves watching her play over those two weeks in melbourne was just just kind of breathtaking in some ways she may not strike you like as overwhelmingly passionate or she doesn't really have the most boisterous aura about her but she's she's an assassin she's like a silent assassin in her own way she doesn't she doesn't play if she doesn't think she's going to win and when she plays lately she's been winning she's currently on a 21 match winning streak i do believe let me double check that real quick (laughs) yes she's won her 20 her her past 21 straight matches she has won um she is now won a Grand Slam each of the past four seasons, dating back to 2018. She's won a Grand Slam in 2018, 2019, 2020, and now 2021. And her journey to beating the players that were in front of her at the Australian Open was not easy. She played a lot of players that have had upward trajectories or are former top 20 players like Anj Jabour, Garbine Muguruza. She actually fended off match points in that match against Garbine Muguruza, who is a two-time Grand Slam champion and former number one or former world number one herself. That was a really great match. She played the tricky um, Chinese Taipei player, Shei Shuei, and then the big match that got all the people talking on ESPN (laughs) was her semifinal match against Serena Williams and the phrase, you know, that she out Serena Serena has been floating around for a couple of weeks. So at least I definitely saw that directly after the match. And you guys know by now I'm a huge Serena fan. She is at the core of why I watch the sport and why I picked up a racket to play myself. But she is the second coming of Serena in a lot of different ways. The ability for her to not necessarily play at her absolute best and just smash people off the court and still win is a reflection of what Serena Williams has been able to do for a lot of her career. Although Serena Williams has the capability to go out there and just slaughter you, she doesn't always do that. And that's kind of unrealistic for every athlete to give 100% of their capability every every time they are supposed to play. And Osaka was not at 100% throughout the latter part of the tournament, but she still won. She was clutch when it mattered in the most 
difficult of moments and that is very serena like outside of the fact that you know osaka has said out of her own mouth that she models her game and is inspired by serena for her to actually play against a player that inspired her and come out on come out on the other side of that match with the win is is good to see you know i'm not happy that serena williams didn't win the australian open but if anybody else could have won it maybe outside of venus i'm glad osaka did and you know osaka is definitely making her claim to be the player of this generation she's only 23 and already owns four grand slams four majors to her to her career um or to her name rather we just have to see you know how she keeps projecting. I really, really think the sky is the limit for her. I want her to get back to world number one eventually. It's kind of weird with the ranking systems right now for any player to really get long strides in the ranking system just because it's frozen and not frozen. It's just weird based off of the things they had to do when the pandemic first hit back in March of 2020. And, you know, she is the player to beat right now. And hopefully, you know, she keeps that momentum going forward. I want to see how her game eventually translates to other services besides hardcore, like clay and grass. I just, she's as, as much as she is kind of more quiet, reserved, almost kind of awkward in a way. When she gets on a tennis court, that is her safe haven. And you can see it. And the way she strikes the ball is just amazing. And, you know, I wish her the best and Hopefully one day I might get on the podcast, you know. <laughs> so if you know somebody that knows somebody that knows Naomi Osaka, tell her I said hi and I'm a big fan. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that was the women's singles side of the Australian Open. And let's get into the men. Just a real quick wrap up because it wasn't anything spectacular happening over there. Novak Djokovic won his ninth Australian Open title. And that moved him to 18 Grand Slam titles overall, just two behind the legendary Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. So, you know, the little greatest of all time conversation continues in that regard. And was anybody really surprised that Novak Djokovic won the Australian Open? I mean, although, like, I'm pretty sure you guys that have been listening for the podcast or listening to the podcast for a while can can see that Novak Djokovic is not the player that I'm going to be rooting for the most. (laughs) He just does not give me that kind of energy where I want to root for him. But I cannot lie and take away from the fact that he knows how to play tennis and he owns almost everybody that he plays tennis against for the past decade. So much so that he, just a couple of weeks after the Australian Open, he broke the all-time record for weeks at number one in the men's ATP rankings. He broke Roger Federer's record of 310 weeks at world number one, just two weeks after that Australian Open. And, you know, you know, people have been congratulating him. I have not been that loud in that congratulations just because, like I said, <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't rock my boat. But, um, you know, I, I, I have to give him the credit. I think that is an incredible feat. He really has been um, the player of the past 10 years since he first got to number one in 2011. He hasn't had too many dips in form. He, he has had them now. <laughs> it, they just haven't been. um super detrimental to his form and he's always kind of found a way back because he has a really good base level of tennis that beats a lot of players even when those players are playing their best so you know kudos to Djokovic don't think he's a great ambassador for the sport but the guy can play tennis so congrats to him on winning his ninth Australian Open and all of that fun stuff so (laughs) 
that's enough for Australian Open because that is already in the books and we are a couple of weeks away of that and as much as I love Australia we got to talk about more tennis because the tennis wheel does not stop and in saying that the tournaments have just kind of kept on rolling which is amazing because at one point especially this point where we are in March of 2021 this time last year it did not look great for tennis the entire tennis world had just kind of stopped and I know for me, I was just looking at my television like, am I ever going to see live tennis again? Especially like, you know, with the way tennis players have to travel to all of these cities and play tournament after tournament, week after week after week. That's like a COVID fest. It just it just it was, it was just kind of weird to think about, you know, but luckily things are trending in a, in a better direction for tennis tennis tournaments to be held. A lot of tennis tournaments are not hosting fans so so to speak like they're incorporating zoom and virtual audiences and things like that just to make sure they're not putting the general public at risk and people can still watch and support the sport from from home whether they watch on television or on their laptop and stream it or and stream it or anything like that but it's still going like the tournaments are still pressing forward the tournaments last week were really entertaining there was a tournament for the for the women in dubai and also a tournament in guadalajara mexico the tournament in Dubai was won by Garbin Muguruza, who I mentioned earlier, who lost out to Naomi Osaka in the Australian Open. Garbin Muguruza has been playing and plays the kind of tennis that I like. It's just that she doesn't do so for long stints of time. She kind of just hits it. She hits her stride, and then before you know it, she's kind of out of her stride, and she looks discombobulated. That has not been the story of her season so far um, in 2021. She has... When she's lost, she's lost to the eventual champion of the tournament, and it's not been very many times she's just been blasted off the court. She's kind of, you know, done her thing, and she just kind of has to tip her hat to the winner um, when she's lost. I think she's been to the she's been in the final of the lead up tournament to the Australian Open. She lost to Ash Barty. She lost to Petra Kvitova just a couple weeks ago in Doha, which was kind of a one-sided final. She didn't really have her best game that day, but she still got to the final. And, you know, these are not easy feats. So for her to get to another final in Dubai and actually raise the winner's championship trophy was a good, was a really, really good step in the right direction. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of proud of her. And again, I, I like the brand of tennis that she plays when she can sustain it. Um, she has wins over Serena at Roland Garros and wins over Venus at Wimbledon. Although I was not happy about those. <laughs> I still tip my hat to players that can beat my favorite players when my favorite players are playing relatively well you know so shout out to Garbine Muguruza for winning in Dubai which was a WTA 1000 event and I believe she moved up to number 13 in the women's ranking so shout out to her she's doing well I want to see how her game translate I want to see how her game continues to translate to the clay surfaces we know she can win on clay she has a Roland Garros title to her name so I just want to see how she keeps building and see if she can get back in the top 10 maybe top five and make herself a, a solid and consistent threat to win win tournaments week in week out she's still relatively young I think she's not even 28 or something like that so she she can still do it she has she has the time on her hands and also speaking of time on her hands there was a, a an, I wouldn't I don't know if I would use the phrase surprise finalist but there was a finalist who 
is getting her game together. Um, and I'm speaking of Jeannie Bouchard or Eugenie Bouchard from Canada, who, if you guys remember, made that really, really big splash in the 2014 season, getting to two Grand Slam semifinals and the final of Wimbledon, losing to Petra Kvitova. She, for lack of a better phrase, just kind of went off the rails for a couple of years there. And just about after the pandemic or just about after when tennis restarted, I should say, in 2020 in the fall. She's kind of been finding her groove. She she put some matches together and was getting W's fairly consistently. And she's, you know, she's 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 rounding herself back into top tennis form. And she got to the final of this tournament in Guadalajara, a hardcore tournament in Mexico. She didn't win it. She lost to uh Cerebos. Cerebus Tormo. Yeah, I don't really like her grunt, so I don't really have much to say. <laughs> yeah. Um what's her, what is her name? I don't wanna you know, I don't wanna butcher her name. I wanna give her credit. I don't wanna be too too shady. What is that girl's name? Sarah Cerebus Tormo. Excuse me, sorry Sarah. Sarah Cerebus Tormo is who Eugenie Bouchard lost to six two seven five in that tournament this past week. Um again strides in the right direction she didn't win the championship trophy she wasn't the winner at the final day of the event but nice to see her like i always say in the mix it's it's good to see her in the mix she is trying to actually have more um she's trying to have more influence than just instagram followers so for that i am thankful and it's good to just see her put tennis as a priority and string together match wins well, that's good to see. And as for the men, the past couple tournaments, or the tournaments last week, I should say, they were actually pretty entertaining as well. There was a tournament in Doha, which featured the return of Roger Federer. Roger Federer has been away from professional tennis for over a year. His last competitive event was the 2020 Australian Open. And during that time, he's had two um, knee operations to kind of get things together in that area. And he uh, apparently he hasn't been really interested in doing the whole quarantine bubble thing. So he's just been real lenient to coming back, but he finally made his return to tennis in Doha. He didn't win the trophy. He won a match and then lost a really, really tight match to the eventual champion who is Nikolas Baliashvili, um, who didn't really look that happy to lift the trophy. I'm sure he was it's just, you know, how some people, never really crack a smile on their face <laughs> that's about Bal- that's Baliashvili if you look him up I don't think there's a picture of him smiling on the internet so that's just that but yeah Roger Federer is back um he pulled out of the next scheduled tournament he was supposed to play in Dubai you know Dubai is a very hot hot ground for tennis there's a tournament for women and the very next week there's a tournament for men so he pulled out of that tournament just because he didn't want to overdo it and I I mean it sucks that he won't be playing. You know, it's kind of like he he was off for so long, teased us by coming back, and now he's right back into not playing again. But I I, I, I get it from just an athlete perspective. You don't want to just go full steam ahead after taking so much time off. So I think he's just taking his time, allowing his body to rest and recover because in my mind, what he really wants to do is lift another Wimbledon trophy, especially because he was so close and had championship points in the last Wimbledon that was played in 2019. He really wants to be a Wimbledon champion again, and I think he is fully aware of the fact that he can't play tennis forever. He's going to turn 40 this year, and realistically, tennis players do not perform their best um, deep into their 30s and their 40s, obviously. So he is trying to 
um, grab what he can while he can. And he's just trying to be smart about his scheduling and how his body is going to perform. So I'm happy that Roger Federer is back and in the mix. <laughs> we shall see what happens over the next couple of months if he plays Roland Garros, what other tournaments he plays, and you know how his form looks. So it's good to it's good to have Roger back for sure. Also, some other men to make note note of is. Daniel Medvedev. Medvedev actually won a tournament in the south of France in Marseille. That was actually his 10th ATP title. Um, and Medvedev is still is still fairly young, and he is just racking up really good, solid wins. Medvedev got to the final of Australian Open, losing out to Novak Djokovic in a kind of underwhelming match. But, you know, he's just one of those players that, can, that, that seems to be able to put things behind him and keep playing well. He plays super, super well on hard courts, especially indoor hard courts like this tournament in Marseille was. And with that win in Marseille, he's actually now the number two ranked player on the men's side. And that is pretty darn historic because if you know anything about men's tennis, the the top two, three, and four um, spots have just really belonged to Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic, and Andy Murray and what people have been called the Big Four. So he is now in the mix um, and disrupting that a little bit. And he will be number two, as I'm, as I'm talking to you guys right now on Monday, he is number two ranked male player in the world. So shout out to Daniel Medvedev. I think he has a really interesting style of play. He's dynamic. He, he doesn't mind being... A little bit um, of a villain on court sometimes, but he, he does so playfully. I don't think he is just darn outright um, obnoxious. Um, you know, some people might disagree, but for me, I enjoy watching him play and am interested to see how he builds to eventually becoming a Grand Slam champion of his own because he has the repertoire. Like, I mean, you don't just win 10 tournaments and not feel like you have a chance to win a Grand Slam, especially when you get to number two in the world. So we shall see. Medvedev historically doesn't play the best on the clay, which is what we're getting dangerously close to. Roland Garros is um, in like May or June, and we're not that far away. So I just want to see how his game um how he learns to play on clay because he just doesn't have the results on that surface yet. So keep an eye out for Medvedev and give him a little bit of grace <laughs> on that clay court because I think he is still learning how to win on that court. And um, speaking of clay, there was one more tournament that the men played last week in Santiago, Chile, and a clay court specialist is um, definitely coming into form, and his name is Christian Garin. He represents Chile. He won his fifth ATP Tour title in Chile on his home soil at the Chile Dove Men's Plus Care Open. <laughs> I'm laughing when I'm reading the name of that tournament because me and my friend Brian, who's been on the show before a couple times, we were just like, why are they so specific with the name of Men Plus Care? Like, you know, these tournaments need pretty large sponsorships to be able to go ahead and and and, and get the big names and have the, the accommodations that tennis players need to play comfortably in the tournaments and dove is obviously a really big household name but i wonder why they were so specific <laughs> by naming it the dove men plus care now, i'm not gonna lie i do love some like the men's 
the body wash and stuff, but it was just weird seeing that on all of like the tournament branding and stuff. It was just weird. But anyway, <laughs> he is actually the first Chilean player to win at his home event in 12 years. He's the world number 22, and he actually had not won a match in 2021 before arriving to the tournament because of some injury problems to start the year. Um, but he pulled it together to win the ATP 250 event. And like I said, he is um, rounding into form to be a dangerous threat anytime a tournament is played on clay court. He, he, he looks like a natural out there. He's a really competitive athlete and also someone to keep an eye out, especially as we get closer to Roland Garros. We'll see, you know, if his ranking, if he keeps building and his ranking gets up and he, he'll, he'll most likely obviously be a seated player at Roland Garros. Um, and just, you know, just want to see where he ends up in, in draws. Cause he is definitely a dangerous player and one that is building and building, building pretty fast, especially, um, in terms of clay court tennis for sure. So what else do I have for you guys in terms of being tuned into tennis? I think that's it. I'm going to leave it right there next week or as <laughs> we're, we're in next week. Apparently this week, there are tournaments all over the place. Once again, the men are in Dubai currently playing. They're also in two more tournaments. Where are those tournaments at? Hold on. The week of March 15th, there are actually two men's tournaments playing. There's one in Dubai, which is the ATP 500 tournament, which is being led by the number one seed Dominic team and the number two seed Andre Rublev. Andre Rublev has been playing amazing tennis. He just won a tournament a couple weeks ago in Rotterdam. So he's another Russian to keep an eye out on men's tennis. He blasts the ball and is just playing well we just have to see how that translates to the biggest stage the biggest stages on tour like the grand slams and also there's a tournament in acapulco mexico a atp 500 tournament again that is being led by stefano Tsitsipas of greece the number one seed and number two seed alexander zverev of germany again two next gen names who are going to lead the charge once the rafael nadal novak djokovic and roger federer kind of trio decides to hang it up even though Novak Djokovic seems like he doesn't want to go anywhere anytime soon anyway <laughs> and as for the women playing tennis this week they are playing at the eight excuse me they are playing at the WTA event in St. Petersburg Russia this tournament to say it's a WTA 500 field it's not being like the the names don't pop out on the draw when I'm looking at it it's the number one seed is Ekaterina Alexandrova of Russia. And also the number two seed is Veronica Kudermatova of Russia. Kudermatova made the final at the very top of the year in Abu Dhabi. So she, you know, she has some confidence, but I think most of the women are trying to prepare for the tournament in Miami that happens later on this month. So maybe that's why this field is a little bit, this field isn't filled with stars. And then also there's an, a WTA 250 event in Monterey, Mexico, um, and that field is being led by Sloan Stevens, who's the number one seed, and also Nadia Podoroska, who's the number two seed. Um, and Nadia Podoroska, you may know her from the semifinal run she made at Roland Garros at the end of 2020 when Roland Garros was awkwardly held in October instead of May <laughs> because of the pandemic. So, yeah, there's so much tennis going on, and I am just super thankful to be able to watch and talk to you guys and commentate about it and just talk, talk tennis, be tuned into tennis. Like I'm, you know, like I'm building out and it's just cool. It's just, I, I, I'm happy that tennis is in the mix. Would it be nice that if fans were in the, in the audience and in the arenas to kind of give more, you know, dramatic effect, if you will, that would be nice. But for right now, I'll take what I can get 
and love the tennis that I'm seeing. So that's it for Tune Into Tennis. Let's take a small break and I'll be back to talk to you guys a little bit about pop culture, specifically the Grammys that took place last night. Be right back. All right, all right. So Grammy time. I said I was going to talk about it. And to be honest with y'all, I can't even hold y'all. The Grammys was nowhere on my radar. <laughs> it And it low-key hasn't been since maybe Beyonce performed while she was pregnant and did Love Drought. That was probably the last memorable Grammy moment that I, like, have in my mind. Award shorts, uh, award shorts, award shows just don't do it for me like they used to. Like none of them. It's not even just specific shade to the Grammys. They just don't get up. Like they just don't move me like they used to. And then when you incorporate the fact that it's a little awkward during a pandemic, people are wearing masks, which they should. It just looks weird. And then people are like playing virtual performances and pre-tape performances. And it's just awkward clapping and you can tell people really aren't in the building and that's just the vibe I got from the 2021 Grammys it just didn't give me it didn't give what it was supposed to give but I didn't even expect it to give that much <laughs> and, I, and and again I'm not gonna hold you I really was only tuned into the Grammys for maybe 30 minutes however the 30 minutes that I gave attention to it it was it was bearable. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like the performances I did see, I, I saw Megan Thee Stallion's performance that transitioned pretty well into Megan Thee Stallion's performance, and then they kind of teamed it up and did a performance of WAP. That was okay. I mean, I've seen people kind of give their critique on Cardi B and and Megan Thee Stallion because people always are critiquing them. But when you're in the public eye, that's what's gonna happen. In my opinion, both of them have stage presence and they utilize it well is it always like are their performances always a 10 no and i can't expect them to be a 10 when they're just like holes in the whole programming and typical lineup that it takes to get to an awesome performance choreography and having people on stage like it's just so many things that probably go into that that aren't smooth like they used to be pre-pandemic you know so it was okay. As far as the awards themselves, my girl Megan racked up. I mean, if anybody deserved, like, I guess, a, a moment of racking up awards, she did with the, all the stuff she's gone through um, outside of music, like, you know, getting shot. And that's about as much as I'll mention that. I have a couple episodes about my views on Megan Thee Stallion and that whole incident with her and Tory Lanez. But musically, like impact especially, she's been everywhere. So the Grammy Award wins that she got reflects that. She won three Grammys actually. She won what did she win? <laughs> she won Best New Artist and in that category was just to throw out some names, D Smoke, Doja Cat and K Trinata. She also won Best Rap Performance for Savage uh, with Beyonce, the remix, which they had a really, really cute moment on stage that I actually saw live. And that was just so very Houston girl, just black girl magic. I'm, I'm, I'm so a fan of that and a, a fan of both of them. Obviously, Beyonce, I've been a fan since the 90s. And, you know, that was a really good moment to see both of them just cherish each other and cherish the moment and just respect the place that they are in, the place that they both are in in music. And then also she won 
uh, another Grammy for best rap song again with Savage and um, I thought yeah I think yeah that was the remix as well so she racked up at the Grammys and she also just a fun fact about where she stands she is come on let me get my Mac let me get my, my facts straight now I'm looking at my computer y'all sorry <laughs> Megan Thee Stallion became the first woman rapper to win Best New Artist this century. Like, when people are trying to say that, you know, the, you know, the female empowerment movement is just some kind of fake agenda. When you read stuff like that, you really see tangibly how far we have to go. Like, that shouldn't, that shouldn't still be a thing. You're like, we're in 2021. Why are there first female, first black anything? Like, we have been existing on this earth for a while. And still, there are still barriers to break and more movement forward that we have to do, you know? So, speaking of breaking records, Beyonce broke the record for most Grammy wins of a female artist, actually of any artist, surpassing Alison Cross, no idea who that is. Um, also, Taylor Swift, not really a super, super fan of Taylor Swift. So There's like maybe three songs that I can hum of hers that I find entertaining. And she became only the fourth artist and first woman, first woman, excuse me, to win album of the year for a third time. Does that smell rigged to me? Yes, a tad, because there's no way Beyonce has won the most Grammys ever like, I think at 28 or 29, but she's never won album of the year, especially with projects like Beyonce, self-titled, Lemonade. And it's just, <laughs> we see y'all Grammys. Again, that's another reason why I just really wasn't up for the Grammys. Somebody had to like tweet it that the Grammys were coming on tonight for me to be like, oh, I guess I should kind of tune into that. And even when I was tuned in, it was it was just for a, for a moment in time. <laughs> so that's why I really don't have that much to tell y'all, except for the fact that- This episode of Billboard News is brought to oh, you by- Oh, look at that. Ain't that something? Messing up my podcast. You know what that means? That means I should just table it right here and <laughs> move on to ending up the show because the Grammys wasn't, they, they weren't noteworthy outside of Beyonce being Beyonce. And she's always going to be Beyonce until the end of time. And she got my stand card already. My stand card is stamped, approved, and never going anywhere. So go Beyonce. <laughs> go Beyonce. Mm -mm. <laughs> go Megan Thee Stallion shout out to Cardi B for having a you know a good performance and everybody else that was out there shout out to y'all go music I'm gonna go back into my cocoon and listen to more Jasmine Sullivan and more Frankie Beverly and Mays and um Anita Baker oh Lettucey won her first Grammy if you know me you know I love Lettucey the R&B singer she won her first Grammy for best traditional R&B performance let me make sure that's correct actually Yes, she won a, her first Grammy for Best Traditional R&B Performance with the song Anything For You. She had been nominated a whole host of times, and that was her first win. So shout out to Lettucey. I love her. I don't know if, like, not to, you know, not to dim her light. She is amazing. I love her second to most recent album, High. It's like a blue cover. I can play that album from beginning to end. So she is just amazing. And she actually, she actually has one of my favorite songs called All Right. Look it up if you don't know it. A very calming song my one of my favorite songs ever in the history of music so shout out to let us see and shout out to everybody that participated one was nominated at the grammys we see you i su support some of you <laughs> okay let me move on let me go because i'm being shady
So as I close out the show, I just wanted to tell you guys and reiterate once again that I appreciate you guys rocking with me, supporting the podcast, supporting my journey in building a lane and voice for myself within tennis and pop culture and all the things that I talk about. I really feel like there are are genuine people and it's genuine support behind it. Um, And I just want to thank you guys for that, especially over the past month with me just needing to press a hard reset and you guys allowing me the grace to do that. I thank people that kind of DM me or sent me a text message or reached out and showed support um, of me. And yeah, I just, I, I, I appreciate that. I don't necessarily think I'm going to receive that kind of stuff. So when I do, it's just like, wow, like, you know, there's that. <laughs> so again, I'm super thankful. Thank you guys for being on a journey with me. The journey continues. I will try my best to push past frustration and technical difficulties to make sure I'm giving you guys weekly content and stuff you can listen to while you are doing laundry, taking a jog, a hike, barbecuing, <laughs> washing dishes, stuff like that. I just really want to be in you guys' ear and vice versa. I want you guys to pour into me as well. Make sure you follow the podcast on socials. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and now, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, Clubhouse, all at Missing Point Pod. Make sure you guys are tapping into the podcast description because in the podcast description, I'm also linking links, linking links. (laughs) I'm putting links to the topics I'm talking about so you guys can read up on it and just be informed about tennis and about pop culture for yourselves. If you are enjoying what I'm describing, you can go and read it about, read about it for yourself. So I'm all about, you know, spreading the wealth and all that fun stuff i'm just i'm getting back in the groove y'all i don't know if y'all can tell it in my voice or not but i'm trying my best to find my stride and it feels good it feels good to sit here in my little podcasting room or man cave that i've made for myself and feel like i'm talking to y'all and putting out good quality content so i'm not gonna ramble too much more i've already i've already pubbed where to find the podcast on socials and just before i go uh i mentioned the podcast description link or links in the podcast description there is one more link i want you to check out if you have been enjoying the podcast and you want to contribute to the growth of the show please consider clicking the link in the description that says support this podcast it is tied directly to my podcast hosting website and it's super simple and easy the website gives you an option of a one-time donation in support of the show or you can opt in to schedule a monthly donation essentially becoming a sponsor of the show which is really cool Both are completely optional, of course, and not required to continue enjoying the content and interacting with me, but it does go a long way in ultimately advancing the growth of the show. Again, it's all a choice of your own, but know your donations will surely be appreciated (laughs) and put to good use. So with that, I'm going to sign out and continue working. You guys continue um, building if you guys are in a position to where you are getting the COVID-19 vaccine please do still continue to be safe mask up I want to make sure my supporters and subscribers subscribers (laughs) I want to make sure you guys are still here so be safe and just monitor what you do this is still a very much so a crazy world and I hope that I can be a, a, a bit of of solace and entertainment and laughter and humor just if not for an hour for you guys that's that's the goal when i come on this mic so um you guys continue to have good days and continue talking to me and i will see you on the next episode okay until then peace out take care